welcome to the Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve. I'm your host, Nathan Raglan, and yeah, for today's episode, I, I have a very, very, very special guest with a very, very, very interesting story. But I'll start by asking you guys this. Do you guys like the party? I, I don't know about you, but when I was in college, you know, I, I used to go to a good couple frat parties, and I used to have a good bit of fun. You know, the hangover obviously wasn't the best thing afterwards, but, you know, I had fun. But, you know, whenever you're in the moment when you're partying, you really don't think about the next day more than anything else. So what happens whenever you have one of the biggest party songs in the world? What happens after that? Well, why don't I let today's guest tell you that? Today's guest is Asher Roth, a rapper best known for his single I Love College, who has since forged his own path, producing incredible records one after another ever since. I will be 100% with you guys. This is an episode I have been dying to present to you guys more than anything else. Me and Asher have been going back and forth trying to make this episode happen for a while. And I'm glad that I was finally able to get the opportunity to actually sit down and have this conversation. Because this was a great, insightful conversation that I know you guys are going to love. I certainly had a blast in the moment of it. I was nervous. You guys will hear me like heavy breathing at the beginning of the episode. But this is a great episode. Very insightful with Asher and his experience with all that stuff. And I sincerely hope you guys enjoy. If you enjoy Asher, I highly recommend you support him in all the platforms and all the links that we have in the description below. Especially streaming his albums. Seriously, ever since you know he's really gone in on working on his own stuff or whatnot... He's been producing absolute quality albums one after another. You'll hear me gush about it in the interview itself. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Leave five stars wherever you can. I see that stuff and I absolutely love it. I've noticed recently on Apple Podcasts we have at least six different five-star ratings. Ooh, I want to see more. I love it. Thank you, guys. And hey, if you want to go a little bit further with that support... Maybe you should consider going to the merch shop at pmap.creator-spring.com. We have some incredible streetwear done by some amazing artists, including the brand new hats and beanies that you can order right now. In fact, if you use code IWANTAHAT at checkout, you can get an additional 20% off your order, whether or not you have the hat on there. And hey, look, if all you want to do is find a nice, cool, calm, chill place where you can interact with other artists and other people that love the podcast and really develop a community, maybe we should consider joining our Discord server, the Artist Sanctuary. We've already got a wonderful group of people that have developed there that have been sharing art, sharing opportunities with each other, sharing memes, and I think you would be a wonderful addition to that group today. But now, without further ado... Please, 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 please enjoy the Postmodern Art Podcast. How you holding up? I'm good, man. It's nice and uh, and rainy here in Philly, so uh, I'm, um, I'm not too far. I'm I'm a little bit further south. I'm uh, in Georgia, so, so it's rainy here as well. Oh, so. cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where in, where in Georgia are you? Uh, Athens, so a couple hours away from Atlanta. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. We spent a little time in Athens. It's a good time. Yeah, that's it. I mean, kind of what you would expect from a college town, you know? <laughs> sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget a, a quote when we went to Athens. We were in there. We had a show, and then 
somebody we had come into the bar and and somebody goes let's get out of here before those northeasters northeasterners come <laughs> and uh it was it was real you know i felt i felt seen that day but we're you know just a I think that the the Georgia kids are definitely rowdy, but you know mm-hmm. it's a different it's a different rowdy. No, oh, yeah, no, absolutely. That, trust me, I've been around both the the calm and the rowdy. I can completely agree more than anything else. Like when they get crazy, they get insane. Just just look yeah. at just look at Athens whenever Georgia won the championship last year for football or mm-hmm. whatnot. Like that was just like pure chaos. And then everyone got COVID, so that was lovely. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that quieted things down just quite a bit. Uh, well, quiet things down a little bit, but at the time I was working at a, a beer distribution plant, and um, everyone that I worked with also had COVID. So it's one of those, uh, like, right after everyone had drank all the beer, we had to restock it, and there's only, like, five people that were working, and we were distributing for all of Northeast Georgia. So, yeah, that wow. was fun. <laughs> Did you get privy on how to brew beer while you were there? Well, no, we didn't brew the beer. Like I said, we would get it in, and then we would – like stack it up to be shipped to like Kroger or whatnot, and then it gets shipped. Yeah, out, yeah. So. distribution. I, yeah, yeah. I wish I knew how to brew the beer, get some good quality stuff. You know, <laughs> you know. All right, Asher. Before we really get going, I must ask the icebreaker question of the podcast, if I may. Let's say you get to go to a desert island on your own accords. It's just you along with your thoughts. You get to kick back, relax, breathe a little bit with with accommodations. You're not stranded. You're just out on your own to help. With whatever vibe you want to go with, you can bring one piece of media or one piece of art with you to get whatever kind of mindset you want on this island. If given this opportunity, what would that one piece be? Maybe like Donna Summer's Greatest Hits and just dance to some disco to get Especially if we have accommodations, if there's like, you know, daiquiris and pina coladas, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) If there's there's rum and disco, then that's a good start. That is a good start more than anything, especially like Donna Summers. Like of of all the the people you could have picked, that's like creme de la creme right there. (laughs) (laughs) Might as well, right? That's just the first thing that comes to me, but icebreaker it is. You know what? That's fair enough. It's fair enough. And again, that's a good choice. And nothing else, I'm sure we'll definitely divulge a lot more into kind of music like that or whatnot. But nevertheless, Donna Summer's greatest hits. That's your pick. You're locking that in. Final answer. All right, then. If that's the case, I cannot think of a better way to start the Postmodern Art Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Nathan Ragland. Uh, feel free to like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. You can support the podcast on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash PMAP. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PostModArtPod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guest. He is a rapper known for his single, I Love College, who has since forged his own path, producing quality records one after another for years now. Welcome to the podcast, Asher Roth! Oh my goodness, Once, once again, I cannot believe I'm finally getting this opportunity. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. How are you holding up today? Good man, a little, it's a little slow morning here. Obviously, just drinking some coffee, hanging out, uh, paying attention to the hot stove. My little, my giants, see what they're gonna do. Uh, uh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> you know, see what they're gonna do. I think we got Mitch Haniger, but uh, yeah, you know, just taking it easy. I, obviously, I like the East Coast because of the seasons, and you know, right around here in December, I take the opportunity to mellow out. Amen to that. Amen to that. And hopefully, whenever stuff does happen with the Giants, it's not false reporting like what happened the other night with Aaron Judge. <laughs> you know what? To be honest with you, man, big shout out to Aaron Judge. And I know he's a California kid and stuff, but 
I'm happy that didn't work out. You know, I just think mm-hmm. it's a, you know, a, a bigger guy like that just had his career year. Um, and given that, given a player like that at 31, a nine-year contract really kind of, uh, I know it puts butts in the seats for sure, but yeah. I, I'm not sure if that was the best the best play for the team. So I'm happy he's back with the Yankees. My buddy who's a Red Sox fan, he has to deal with that more than I do now. <laughs> uh, and uh, we'll see what the we'll see what the uh, the Giants do from here. But you know, being here in Philadelphia too, seeing what the Phillies are doing, oh yeah, um, is really fun. Trey Turner uh, coming over and playing that lineup's going to be a lot of fun. Great team to be able to take the uh, take the train down and 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 watch play. So I'm excited yeah. what the Phillies are doing just for hometown sake. And then always going to be checking in on the Giants and my love for the Giants just from a, a family standpoint. Okay, you know what? Fair enough. I was going to ask this, like, you know, yeah, you 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 know, you grew up in Philly or whatnot, spent time in Atlanta, you know, went over to California for a little bit. So it's like, of all the teams that you supported, like, you know, this the San Francisco ones are the ones that's like, okay, you know what? Interesting, but I give respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's Niners and Giants because of my dad. And so, like, oh, okay. those, are, those are really the sports franchises that I hold dear to me, mainly because of the connection uh, with my father. You know, and I think that um, maybe, maybe not. That's probably a lot of the reason people start cheering for teams in general. I know some people pick pick up on players when they're young or whatever it may be. But, yeah, Uh, so it's just like, you know, loyalty to and, you know, uh, a a little conversation icebreaker, if you will, with my dad to be able to talk about that stuff. But, you know, as I grow up and there's players that I like, you know, I really wanted the Giants to get Trey Turner, and so for yeah. him to come over and play for the Phillies and to be playing down the street is uh, is uh, is definitely a treat, if you will. Well, there you go, there you go. But you know, I once again, thank you so much for taking time to be here. Um, it, I I know I kind of already touched on some of your travels and the fact that you've had this wide range of opportunities or whatnot, and I definitely want to divulge a lot more into that. But before we really divulge into that, I want to know more or less the origin stories of Asher Roth. What got you interested in art and music in the first place? Uh, you know, I think it's just, it's just, uh, it's a tricky question to answer because I think like, you know, whenever you're, um, just paying attention to the world, um, there's things that intrigue you. And I think music specifically was, you know, we broke the ice by talking about Donna Summers and just dancing, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, feeling good. And I think music is such a powerful one communicator to unifier, all of these things. And I don't think if I, I don't think I really intentionally got into that uh, or, you know, pursued it as a career. I never really intentionally pursued it as a career, but for the sake of communication, for the sake of sharing playlists, for the sh- for the sake of making uh, boys to men mixtapes for like third grade girlfriends, like all of those <laughs> things, <clears throat> music was just always a, a big part of my just well-being, you know, my, okay. uh, you know, my mental, my mental health. And so... As far as the origin story, you know, just listening to a bunch of things and then obviously growing up uh, late 90s, early 2000s, you know, rap and hip hop music is, uh, you know, dominating. And as a kid uh, from Morrisville, you you, kind of take to it. And so uh, I've always leaned on the, you know, more cultural rap being rhythm and poetry side of things than the entertainment side of things. Mm-hmm. Obviously, one that only heard me, you know, via the Isle of College kind of like, you know, um, accident, if you will, uh, <clears throat> then they might see things differently. But I've always been someone that, you know, tries to and wants to, you know, appreciate uh, what music does for us as people. 
uh, as a, a communication device and a unifier for bringing people together. And so, you know, that's kind of the origin and also the thread to where we are now. I mean, that's that's fair enough. I mean, it's it's a good it's a good thread that I'm sure we're going to be dancing along throughout this entire conversation. I, I just want to ask real quickly, like, can you remember some of like the first artists or whatnot that kind of more or less captured your attention or like really got you like invested in music in the first place? Yeah. I mean, I've always been a fan of like music in general. So it's not, it wasn't like I was hyper-focused on rap music or hip hop music or hyper-focused on, you know, um, folk or rock or anything like that. There wasn't a specific genre. So like, you know, I remember growing up the first probably tape cassette that I had. Well, two tape cassettes. It was like Billy Joel and Busta Rhymes. You okay. know what I mean? And I think I think that like those that's kind of a good um, indicator of the spectrum in which I like to create music as well. You know, if like if Busta Rhymes and Billy Joel had a child, maybe you would come out something like me stylistically. But uh, in the same respects, you know, <clears throat> one of the first shows I go to is a Dave Matthews band concert. You know what okay. I mean? So, you know, there's like there's all of that in the beginning. And then like that's just how you get into music innocently. Probably what your parents are listening to as well. So there's like Stevie Wonder, uh, my dad, a Bruce Springsteen uh, guy, Paul Simon, kind of like more of an Americana songwriter. My mother was just much more into like jazz and, you know, R&B. I have two older sisters, and so there's, like, alternative, like, I remember No Doubt and Gwen Stefani stuff being really in, like, just, you know, uh, alternative rock music being in the house because of my sister constantly mm -hmm. kind of stealing CDs from her, and Tragic Kingdom was, like, one of those. Okay. Um, and then my, my older sister, who was much more into, like, you know, boy bands and more of, like, product-driven music, and she's still that way, you know, so it's really funny when she sends me stuff over that's so rooted in the, the music business like yo this is a hit and it's just like you know it's like sean mendez and it's like no duh this is a hit you know what <laughs> I mean? that's like it's what it's intended to be um but i i appreciate and really enjoy all of that stuff and so <clears throat> through it all you try your best uh to find your own voice and find out what really works for you but you know for me again like I listen to music every day. I'm not mm -hmm. necessarily in the, in the state of like discovery right now. Uh, so it's always nice when somebody recommends, hey, you should check this out or listen to this. You just kind of, as you grow up, I don't know if this is for everybody. I know we have like Spotify and people get pushed playlists and stuff, but right. I think there becomes a certain uh, point in your life where you just like what you've grown up with and you just like kind of revisit that stuff. And so my Spotify playlists aren't, aren't packed with like uh, new stuff. They're kind of packed with just like, stuff that brings me back to my comfort zone. I mean, that's honestly fair enough. And like, even you talk about that kind of stuff, I think about like my own like music discovery journey as well. I know like, you know, my, my mom was a major factor in that with like the classic, you know, eighties hair bands or whatnot, you know, queen and stuff like that. You know, I, I'm still a major fan of that stuff. My dad, yeah. my dad's probably like my biggest like musical focal point more than anything else. Like he introduced me to a lot of like the rock and the rap that I'm both into then. And like was sort of influenced the stuff that I listen to nowadays. Cause I try to have yeah. somewhat of a discovery thing, but you know I, I i still have my comforts that i go back to so i totally get that see yeah it's important i think like music discovery they it's really tricky now i mean because like there's so much right oh yeah um and so you know i still believe that word of mouth you know someone your friends people that you trust you know um the era of people that 
our friend groups that made mixtapes and said, you know, here's here's a mix CD, so to speak. I mean, um, a lot of people, uh, maybe you're a little bit younger, but, you know, we made mix CDs on a burnt CD and wrote oh, yeah. mix number six or like oh, yeah. and whatever, <laughs> popped it in the in the car and, you know, some people and like that's how we found out about specific artists and stuff so it's a little bit different now i know a lot of people rely on playlists you know mixed feelings obviously and i'm sure everybody knows that that stuff can be kind of uh it's not necessarily organic you know mm -hmm. that's still kind of curated in a way and and paid for in a way yeah. um and so i still think word of mouth hey did you hear oh yo this album's really good and that's why you know something like this discord something like the ufc discord that we have where people are kind of like we have a mood section where people just throw in some of the stuff that they've been listening to but music discovery you know we're, we're forever students you know we're forever listening to new stuff but it's hard to get away from the stuff you grew up and you love and it's just part of your your being yeah, I mean, fair enough. And and speaking of growing up, like, especially when it comes to you musically, when did for you go from this, like, general love for music that you kind of had and kind of absorbing everything you can to a passion and then wanting to make it or at least stumbling into the career of it? Yeah, I mean, this is high school, right? So it's like high school, you're, you're getting a little, like, wherewithal in regards to independence. Uh, you're, you're hanging out with people outside of your home you know you're kind of like you know venturing out into the world and I think with that came relationships that encouraged me to you know rap and rhyme and I think a lot of that stuff was already came natural to me and just some of the relationships with my buddy Brian Sellers and a couple of other other friends in high school that were influenced by the same stuff we had a little after school program we called the hip-hop workshop that we all got together and kind of like you know, battled, wrote songs, all of these things. And, and it also led to hanging out in the basement of some friends who were in like jazz band and into production and writing genuine records, you know, because um, that's a whole different craft. I mean, some people, oh, yeah. again, just want to do raps and, you know, um, you know, but like they're all different sectors. And I think writing a, a record is much different than, you know, just writing some freeze or, 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 you know, like seared foie gras and with Quincy, Quincy Cranberry is a, is a mixtape that's rooted around, you know, verses, not necessarily songs. And then you got flowers on the weekend, which is yep. more rooted around songs. And so definitely different crafts that you need to work on. But I, I would say that all came to started to really come to fruition in high school. Okay. Okay. Can you remember some of the, like the first songs or the first, you know, mixes that you put together or whatnot that you were like personally like most proud of more than anything else like if you were to present oh, it today sure. it's like brand new like people would be amazed with it or at least you'd be proud oh, of it. oh i don't know i don't know about that <laughs> i think it'd be interesting to hear uh we had a you know we had a, a record uh that brian and i worked on you know closely and kind of rather seriously called easier said than done okay and um you know, downloading instrumentals off MP3. I forget. I think it was MP3.com. One of those. And uh, you know, venturing into our own world of of production and stuff. But I mean, you know, it it it, was, it sounds like probably what you'd expect it to sound like. But you know, I remember there's a few uh, like moments along the way where uh, specifically freshman year in college, again in high school, junior year, senior year. Um, getting away from sports a little bit and doing doing music in my in my side time you know people responded to it well right like they were like oh this is cool 
<clears throat> I remember like the superlative in high school, you know, in the yearbook or like most likely to all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I won most likely to get a record deal, right? It's like me and my friend Kate Myerson, who was a singer. And it was just like, okay, that's that's cool. Again, this wasn't a intentional pursuit. Okay. It was just something that I really liked to do. And then in freshman year of high school, um, freshman year of college, we were in a dorm and I got signed up without me knowing for a, a talent show okay. and so you'd go and hang out you'd hang out in the lobby and so uh yeah they had me come down and then they called my name i was like oh my god like this is embarrassing and so i did <laughs> i ended up getting up there and like rapping it was i was over like the uh, uh notorious big like the uh dead wrong or something like that okay. and um and i won the talent show you know and those are just like little things that happen along the way where you get this reinforcement of like keep going you know what i mean so i think we all kind of need that you have your own belief in yourself and maybe you do have a crystal clear vision when you start off but for me it was just you know i've always kind of been making it up as we go along and so which has been nice you know because there hasn't been a tremendous amount of like disappointment for me like because of my expectations have always been like this is fun. This is enjoyable. I've never felt like uh, overly disappointed in outcomes, more so just making sure that, you know, we can um, keep the party going, you know? Yeah. I mean, you certainly, whenever you got the party going, you you certainly got it going. Um, I, I, I gotta say, I love how, like, it almost was like, foretold more than anything else with that superlative of like, most likely to get a record deal more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I, I have to know, like, when did the opportunity for you go from just, like, you know, toying around with friends or whatnot to actually signing a record deal and get an opportunity to be a part of the quote-unquote business? Uh, oh, it happened um, relatively quickly. I, I'm pretty sure I was still in high school because my sister, my older sister, who was into, like, the boy bands and, like, music business product, mm -hmm. the Shawn Mendes fan, right? Um, she had a, a buddy uh, that she went to high school with these these kids are about like, you know, three four years older and he was into music business okay. He wanted to be a manager essentially and so he was like, you know uh, Ambitious kind of a go-getter and so like, you know, she hooked me up with him and you know In reality now, I, I don't want this to be the truth, but in reality you do need you know people helping you, right. you know, you, you like uh, independent artists have been kind of touted and encouraged more recently, you know, like, uh, I think with, I think chance was a big, um, you know, voice for, you don't need record deals, mm -hmm. but in my upcoming in my, you know, this, that was, wasn't, you still, this, the goal end goal is still, you need to get a record deal. Right. Right. Um, and so that happened early on, man. I was probably like 17, 18. He had me in big studios in Philadelphia, like hanging out with like Vidal and Dre uh, in, in Larry Gold's studio on 7th Street in Philadelphia, which is now Milk Boy. But okay. um, that's where the Roots record and being around the Roots and like all, the, all that kind of Philly scene. And I was doing that pretty early on. So that was nice to get like, you know, a... Uh, experience with big studios because it's a different experience than just recording at home I, I and bet. so yeah that allowed me to put together like a ep that um some some fans find and it's funny again it's not like something i'm like 
overly proud of. It's just part of the process. Uh, and that was the Just Listen EP. Okay. Which, which that one of the key verses in that off that Just Listen EP is kind of what got me signed. Uh, it was an acapella that ended up on the Greenhouse Effect Volume One. Um, mm. Called Just Listen, and it's a. It was like a acapella verse. It was just kind of about how we're we're all in this together kind of thing. And, you know, I remember Q-Tip hearing it in a basement in New York when I performed it in a a New York basement. And he was intrigued, you know, just mentioning how, like, you know, white kids in rap music typically don't get to just rap, you know, truth. You know, they kind of have to, you know, dance around and, you know... uh, you know, be the fun, fun white person, so to speak. Uh, and so he was intrigued and like really was encouraging me to kind of, you know, embrace uh, truth in in what I was doing. And now all of that leads to, you know, meeting uh, Scooter and mm-hmm. all of those, uh, you know, again, this is all through the Internet, early stuff, MySpace, yeah. uh, face, Facebook. This is all 2008, 2009. A lot of this stuff is like, well, I guess the meetings of it's probably 2007, 2008, where this stuff is still in its its beginning phases as far as like music business and the internet. Uh, I, and so it's, go ahead. No, I, I mean, I was just going to ask, like, I want to ask more or less, like, what was your mind space like at this time, like, more than anything else? Like, thinking about, like, you know, you're working in these studios to where, like, some big names like The Roots were working in. You're getting opportunities to present yourself to, like, Q-Tip and, like, you know, people like that. You're get, you're making connections or whatnot. Like, you're really starting to get something going. What was your headspace like at that point? Because I, I, if I, it was me, I would have been, like, I, it would have been, like, surreal. Like, it would be hard for me to wrap my mind around a situation like that. I think it's I think it's important to 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 really not understate that I didn't want anything. You know what I mean? Okay. Like I didn't I didn't I didn't have these expectations. So all of this stuff was just fun. The fact okay. that it was happening, it felt natural and organic. So if I had like expectations or if I had this like this is what I really want to happen um maybe i would have felt different but it was all just like i know this sounds like uh maybe cliche but it was just taking these things as they were happening like day by day um and things just started to speed up much more um when after i had met scooter and moved down to atlanta and i think that that's when things really got a little bit more serious and i tried my best to like keep it fun right and i think you can hear that from um greenhouse effect volume one mm-hmm. uh that is recording in the basement of atlanta no there's no real plan there's no real budget there's no like yeah i don't even know if there's a record deal at that point because i was delivering pizzas around georgia tech campus when oh, wow. greenhouse Effect volume one came out um but as far as my mind my mind space was just i'm just having fun you know i'm just enjoying it we're doing stuff i come from morrisville pennsylvania there's not a lot of like exciting things that happen i mean we have like a a little league baseball team that won in like what it's in the teammates video you'll see it maybe 1956 you've got you got troy vincent who i think is the head of the nfl pa he's he's from pensbury you got zach woods who's the big homie he's uh he's in like the office and um uh, silicon valley and stuff but 
other than that, you know, not a lot of us make it out. So I'm just enjoying the ride at this point and still am. Yeah. I mean, I, especially like you said, at that point, considering where you came from, the fact that you were just even getting opportunities like this in the first place, like uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong from what I'm saying, you were just enjoying it day by day, just as is the fact that you were just getting the opportunity and just enjoying it to the fullest extent, not worrying about, you know, you know, what, how much I can get off of this record. What's going to be the next beat that's going to top the charts or whatnot. You were just there for the experience. For sure. And then, you know, other people come into your equation, so to speak, and they do have a plan or they do have expectations and they do have things that they want. And so, and that's just part of growing up, right? I mean, if you get in a relationship with somebody, that that relationship uh, has its own, you know, wants and expectations and desires. And so life becomes a little bit more collaborative. And so um, that was what was happening um, in the music world as well. A very honest, organic upbringing, just having fun, expressing myself through a medium that <clears throat> I was inspired by and felt like I was naturally good at. And then you get to a point when you're around 2021 naturally I'm you know uh my sophomore year in college or whatever it was because I was bouncing in and out of college to right. work with the original kid um that I was that I was working with and then um yeah it just gets a little bit more structured if you will yeah I I imagine especially as you know you start producing more EPs and you start producing, you know, an actual album or whatnot, start working with Scooter Braun or whatnot. I, I want to ask about Scooter just for a quick second. How did you become in contact with him in the first place? And what was it like more or less like working with him and trying to like get something going? Oh, space. I mean, like he, you know, he could tell that story. And I think at, at some point probably Scooter and I will get on a podcast together. Okay. And, uh, and talk about it. But, uh, you know, he, the way he tells the story, he has an automatic, well, I had an automatic friend finder on. And so it was just like, you know, adding people. And Scooter had a, somebody he had hung out with that night before. Um, and he was in nightlife coming up, you know. And so he had hung out the night before with a kid named Anton. Oh, shout out to Anton. He's a great producer and guitar player. Um, I think he assumed when he got a friend finder from me or, or a friend request from me that I was Anton or whatever it may be. And yeah, the way I was being promoted again with the earlier kid, like the kid who was helping me with uh, my MySpace and stuff, he, uh, you know, hood up, you know, just kind of very uninviting. But um, one of the, the first track was a song called Family Man. Okay. And uh, it was about coming from the family that I come from. My two sisters, my mom, my dad, my parents are like, you know, so I'm so fortunate my parents are still together. You know, things like that and just kind of rapping about how I'm appreciative of that. And, you know, Scooter uh, is very family oriented. He has a family tattooed on his wrist and uh, he heard that and, you know, reached out to me and, you know, one thing led to the next. And, you know, just it's just one of those things where if it's an opportunity, some of the conversations we were having, we felt like we were mission aligned at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, was talking about coming down to Georgia. And we all know Scooter's story now, what he's written. Like he is, uh, he's a go-getter, you know, mm -hmm. he makes things happen. And so, um, you know, he had, he, you know, he really uh, was inspiring in the conversations that we had had. And, you know, I moved myself down to Atlanta uh, to be kind of in the thick of it, you know, because, um, 
you know, where I was in Westchester, Pennsylvania, isn't necessarily a mecca for for uh, music and entertainment. Right, right. I, I mean, like, you know, even getting the opportunity, like, starting out with them or whatnot, you know, getting stuff going and getting the, you know, like, starting off with those same goals or whatnot, like, it, it must have been, I'm going to say, almost alleviating, or it, it must have been interesting more than anything else to, like, have the opportunity to work with someone and feel like you guys were collaborating towards a, a, a cool, like, similar goal more than anything else. Yeah, and also someone who's good at something that, like, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not huge into self-promotion or just promotion, you know, in general. Uh, not, I'm not, like, the my world's best uh, cheerleader, you know what I mean? I just like to kind of, like, entertain, have fun, perform. Those are the things I like to do, but not necessarily, like, talk about it or explain it. Gotcha. And so, you know, Scooter is and was very good at, like, yo, this dude's really talented and very unique, you know, and you would go around and tell people that. And like, you know, for people that are watching this and listening to this podcast, it is really important. You know, obviously self-promotion is one thing, but like why cheerlead for yourself when, when other people say it's just a little bit more uh, important? You know, if I tell you that I'm great, that's cool. I have to shout that probably a little bit louder. If someone else comes up to you and goes, yo, Asher's really dope. Yeah. You go, OK, maybe he's really dope, you know. And so that was very helpful for me, uh, having somebody cheer you on and believe believe in you and believe in what you do and so um you know it's just i would say i would call it the next step in you know making things uh making things real you know there you go there you go well let's talk about that next step or at least the biggest step they had to take towards and that was your album asleep in the bread eye with obviously the big hit i love college i i have to know how did that song even come to be in the first place Dude, you know, again, <clears throat> moved to Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a 20-year-old, 21-year-old kid. Um, no real plan and structure. I was in school to be an elementary school teacher. Still something that, like, I hold dear. Um, and, uh, you know, we are uh, creating music in the basement. My friend uh, Tom Boyd, uh, Brian Langley. Uh, Shannon Higgins had moved down with us as well. And um, we just missed being home. You know, we missed Westchester. I had, I had left. We were supposed to go to Mardi Gras and didn't. And so, again, when you're, when you're getting in a phase of just making music, uh, these things become kind of like journal entries in a way, right? And so that record, you know, people dropped off beats all the time. Uh, beats were getting sent over all the time and it just got you you get into a phase where you go through you're going through beats and you're writing to them nightly you know just just for the practice um, and that was one of those situations where it's just like there's a beat CD that got left by Mike Karen we're going through the beats this one's cool it's familiar obviously those who know the the impetus and like the kind of inspiration behind it initially was the Weezer sample mm -hmm. and just impeach the president drums super easy breezy cover girl you know and we're <laughs> um you know making up stuff and i remember being at party last night and i thought it was dumb you know the whole the whole uh you know nostalgic feeling uh sitting there uh bouncing ideas back with boyd and you know boyd really cheering it on and being like dude you gotta keep going uh and so like that stuff um led to you know the final record and you know cannon would come don cannon would come down and be like yo you're out of here 
Scrappy, who worked obviously really closely with Justin Bieber, but before that was was working closely with T-Pain. So these this kid's really familiar with hit records. He's like, mm-hmm. bro, it's a rap, dude. You're out of here, you know? Um, and I just didn't get it. I was like, this song is so silly. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and then, it, but, you know, I think... Yeah, it's tough. I think that there's a few a few joints off Asleep in the Bread Isle that I feel were our fun records, don't get me wrong, but are such a product of the music industry. But yeah. I think I and so when I look at that body of work, I think it holds up. There's some really good stuff. I love listening to Blunt Cruising. I thought yes. that that was such a fun and just like Oren just bodied that such a good ride, a lot of good movement. I think Larka, my go-kart, you know, innocent, jovial, fun as far as like wordplay and being dorky. And I think that that was a good introduction. I think it would have been smart. And Gabi, who uh, is very close with uh, and uh, worked closely with Steve Rifkin and still does, uh, who really Steve is the one that gave me this shot, you know, where if, if Scooter believed in me, um, Steve is the one that was like, okay, Let's let's see what you got, mm-hmm. and um, I think it, if after I Love College took off, it would have been nice to follow that up with um, Fallen, which was mm-hmm. also a record from some of my earlier recordings. Like the the lyrics were from my earlier recordings, but it was really just about you know my upbringing. That was like I remember way back, way back, and like so that reflection I think would have been a really nice introduction uh, after I left college, a very honest introduction into who I was. But uh, I think just the pressures of music industry in general, where it's so it's such like a who's who and a cosign business, um, I think we skipped a couple steps in that original release just because we were young, yeah. very inexperienced. The game was changing. Um, we went with a, a, an amazing record, which was a huge moment for me, uh, Be By Myself, yeah. with with CeeLo. And, you know, writing that hook and having CeeLo sing that hook, uh, you know, a crazy story of CeeLo sending it back. And I'm being like, mm, this is underperformed. Can you go back in? You're like telling CeeLo Green, <laughs> can you go back in and re-record this stuff? Um, so, you know... Again, not no real regrets, but I think it would have been interesting to really, um, really introduce myself uh, after I Love College. Because to me, again, I Love College was such a happy accident, yeah. such an innocent song, uh, such a moment in time for a lot of people. I know it brings a lot of people joy. I still perform that record. It's not something I am running away from till this day i think there was an early part of my career where i was just like yo can we do anything but this um but it was so polarizing that it actually would have been nice to just piece off that a little bit and use that falling record to fully introduce myself and sonically i think it would it lends itself to like fallen sonically lends itself to some of the stuff we were doing on retro hash so yeah you know that's a, that's more of a reflection on the career. I don't know. I, I think that strays away from your original um, question, but you know, just that my, that's my reflection on Asleep in the Bread Isle mm-hmm. is, it's my first experience with a major label, my first experience with like promotion in general, and I just encourage people that are listening that when you're doing something, slow down. 
You know what I mean? I think the world is going to be asking you to be moving at a million miles. Take your time. You do have time. Contrary to popular belief where they're just like, you get your 15 minutes and you're out of here. You have time uh, to introduce yourself. It's the same thing with like the internet now. Like take your time, you know, promote. Maybe if you put out a single, promote that single for like three weeks. You don't have to feel like you have to put out a single the next four days because yes, the internet makes us feel like I just put out this single and now it's old four days later. And there is, there is some truth to that. You know, we devour and consume media all day, every day. And yesterday's news is yesterday's news, but I really encourage people to take their time in their presentations and, and, and really think about what you're trying to convey to your audience because, um, you know, the world is moving really fast. And so if you kind of inverse that and you take things really slow, you might be able to get your point across. Absolutely. First off, you saying you, you may have strayed away from the original question. Asher, I, I encourage rambling on this podcast, okay? So this is right up my alley. I'm, I'm enjoying just hearing this kind of stuff, hearing your insight more than anything else. And I would say, like, you know, you talk about, like, having that more or less the dichotomy that you would have of having I Love College and then following up with Fallen. I think that would have been great because yeah. I listened to Sleep in the Bread Isle recently to help prepare for this. But also, I still go back and listen to, like, I Love College and stuff. And like that song, I think it was also Family Man, if I remember. I think it was like the one before it or whatnot that, I, you know, it showed more or less that sincerity that you want to talk about on top of having that fun time that you would have with like Lark and my uh, go-kart and, you know, I Love College and such. And, you know, I, I appreciate that you're saying, you know, it's a fun, innocent song when it comes to I Love College. I just have one issue with the song. And I'm sure I'm not the only one to bring this up. But like, you know, listening to the lyrics or whatnot, why would you recommend people put two condoms on? <laughs> hey, man. I didn't know people would take that so literally. It's, it's more it's more supposed to be about the importance of safe sex than right. it is supposed to be about science, you know? I just hope people didn't take that too literally and just at least think safe sex first and foremost more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. I think some people have, but I was really just trying to stress the importance of, uh, you know, protection. but. Yeah. You know, the world, some people are, uh, take things at face value. I, there's something at, uh, I think, on Netflix where Dude Wears My Jet or whatever, where Pepsi, I don't know if, if you've seen this, but I guess I didn't watch it. I just saw the preview that I guess Pepsi put out a, a, a commercial in the 90s, and there's, like, a jet that you can, like, that they didn't think anything of it. And you see it at the bottom now of, like, commercials where it's just, like, they have, like, the really fine print. It's like when cars are like flying, it's just like cars can't fly. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> dramatization. And they have to like put that fine print in there for these specific instances where somebody really thought that they could get the jet if they collected enough uh, Pepsi points. And oh, so Jesus. It, went, it went to litigation and it was all, this whole story. But I probably should have had a little disclaimer, maybe in the video, fine print, two condoms, you know, they'll break. Don't yeah, do it. Yep. <laughs> yep. But I mean, you know questionable lyric aside um no like again like the the song was just like it, listening back to it even nowadays like it's just a fun song to listen to that easy beat to go with it the rhymes that you have given that good like you know fun party mentality or whatnot i i can only imagine like again you said yourself you kind of stumbled into the success of that like just seeing not only like how good of a record it was considering how silly of a song it is but like seeing people cling on to it and it blow up a little bit or whatnot that must have been like it, it, I'm not going to say surreal. It must have been weird for you to be like, it's a ridiculous song. Why are people listening to this? Yeah, man. And it was life-changing. 
I mean, it literally changed my life. And I think it's also changed uh, people's perspective of me, not in a bad or good way. It just it changed, you know, what, what, who people, what people thought I was and who I was. And, you know, now my challenge in my career, even to this day, and specifically after that, was perception. Uh, not only of just my audience, but also my, uh, my record label at the time. You know, I'm trying to stray away and steer towards more, again, some of that original stuff that I was talking about with Q-Tip was like mm -hmm. truth and stuff that kind of like matters and not stuff that's just rooted in entertainment and silliness and, and mindlessness. Um, you know, as much as, you know, I Love College is almost parody in a way of the American uh, Collegian Institution. So it's like, um, but again, that was so fun. It was such an innocent yeah. time, but like people grow up, but uh, unfortunately... Uh, in entertainment, it's really hard without the support of all the people that make things happen to grow up in this industry. You kind of get like frozen in time. And so, you know, for me, my trajectory since then, because I wasn't so focused on entertainment and the next hit, it was more, it was personal for me. I mean, like my journey has been, Asher Roth is my real, real name, you know? Yeah. So this is a, uh, this is a personal quest for me of uh you know music uh and communication and collaboration um and since then the trajectory has been you know uh it's just been kind of leveling out because i'm taking my time in regards to genuinely introducing myself through songs that i'm not worried about from on a mass appeal standpoint i'm just really truly trying to communicate um you know my how i see the world and i think from that i i've been able to garner a, a, tr a tremendously cool fan base a tremendously honest fan base and so i think a lot of people's if their entry point was isle of college and maybe not greenhouse effect volume one you know if they stayed on the ride you know we truly grew up together now, if people only in a majority, sometimes it blows my mind how the that people only know me for I Love College, and I you don't even understand uh, how you know one song can truly change your life, and that is what a majority of people are going to know you for for the rest of your life, and you just have to say that's what it is. You know, I I don't really have any control over that. You know, I think for a while. I struggled with that from a perspective standpoint of like, all right, how can I continue to color this in a little bit more? Okay, we've got this part colored in. Let's color this part in a little bit more. Let's use some new colors. Are you interested in that? And a lot of, you would find like a lot of the audience was like, nah, man, we're just trying to like drink. We just want to drink beer. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, all right, man. Um, it's, so it, it's been it's been hard. I can't you know I can't lie. I think it's been really it's been tricky. And just trying not to let that steer the ship, you know, just keep keep it where I was when I was first coming up of like, this is fun. This is I enjoy this. Uh, there's no rhyme or reason to this. Let's just do what you do. And I think it's been tricky. We're getting back to it, but it's been tricky getting back to that because of the structure, the expectations and other people's desires that came into my equation at the time uh of asleep in the bread out 
Right, right. And I mean, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. Like, obviously, my entry to you was I Love College. Like, it, it sure. was it, it was that. And then I think not too long afterwards, like, because when, when that song came out, I was like, I want to say like 13 or 14. So, I mean, it was like teenage yep. years or whatnot. So, it's like, that was my introduction to you. But then, like, not too long afterwards, I got introduced to the song you did with uh, Def Jam, uh, Grind, Get Ready to Brand New Day. Or Get Ready to New Day, I guess. And, but then, you know, obviously, you know, I, you know, times change you know discovery of music change or whatnot it wasn't until it wasn't until i want to say like last year the year before last that i recently rediscovered you and that was because i was going to appear on a podcast called james crowley's infinite playlist and we were going to do this fun playlist idea to where like you know he introduced 10 songs i introduced 10 songs based on like a concept we discuss it or whatnot um and I decided to do one that I like to call the the one hit wonder redemption tour, you know, like having people that are only known for one song. But like, if you take the time to actually listen to their back catalog, they've got some amazing stuff buried in there that, you know, if you just take the time to listen, like deserves another opportunity or whatnot. And I was initially going to put grind on there, but I'm like, well, no, if I'm going to put an Asher Ross song, I want to like listen to his back catalog and like really get absorb the stuff. And being reintroduced to that stuff that you've done, you know, since, you know, those early days or whatnot, like, I was blown away with just every single quality record that you've, like, put out or whatnot. Um, the one that really got my attention more than anything else was from Flowers on the Weekend, uh, Things Change. That song right there, like, I felt like it was, correct me if I'm wrong, but it felt like both a thesis statement on just what your mentality and what your life had just been up to that point, but also kind of a reassurance to the audience of, like, you know, hey, I'm still doing stuff. I'm still here to have a good time. It's just, letting you, like, you're basically letting the audience in on you. That's how I at least felt. Like, it was a very personal song. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it, yeah. it's a great song. No, I mean, that's a huge one for me, and just sonically, too. It's just, like, it's a... It's just a a good rap song with like these kind of like psychedelic folk almost vocals for the hook. Uh, working with Rob Deckhart has been a, a hometown kid for me too. Like coming home and making flowers on the weekend was really important to me. Coming back to Philadelphia, all part of the yeah. journey. But I appreciate it, man. I think like you know that one hit wonder uh, stigma, if you will. It's been tricky, you know, one, yeah. because it's like some people never even get one, right? right? So you just want to be grateful and just like happy that like it happened. But again, like what this means to me and why I'm still going, I think like, you know, for me, one hit wonders in a way, like they they give up sort of, or they just get eaten alive, kind of. Just, they just get eaten alive and they maybe keep trying to, regain what was um maybe maybe not that's just how in my mind that is but for me i just feel like you know i'm a utility player on a baseball team yeah i don't know if you're if you're you sound like you're a baseball fan yeah. from our original conversation but like the cardinals won a world series and like david freeze was yeah. one of the most important players on that team during that that run and so, like, you see this all the time. This is why I love baseball is because these guys step up, you know, as a Giants fan, you know, Marco Scudero, like, yes. Freddie Freddy Sanchez. Like, there's these players that step up when it matters and they win you a championship. And so, like, you know, for me, it's just about, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going and making my stuff and I can't really worry about who's listening. And a lot of the feedback that I've gotten from as I keep going forward is positive. Like, thank you. Hey, and so, like, you know, I hear you and I really appreciate you telling me that story of like, 
hey man, you know, you came up in this like kind of one hit wonder conversation. And then I went back and revisited. And like, that's what I kind of hope happens now where people are like, yo, remember that song fucking I Love College by Asher Roth or who who sung that song or whatever it may be. Maybe it gets brought up in conversation. I know it got tweeted at AOC recently and she's like, <laughs> oh, I had to Google it. And I hope that I hope that people can then go check it out and say, well, you go you now you go down the rabbit hole and there's all of this other work that you can get privy to. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be the one and only anymore. It yeah. can maybe just be an entry point that allows and opens the door for everything that we've been doing for the last 15 years, you know. Exactly. And I mean, like, the reason why I wanted to even start that list in the first place is because, like, again, you could test this. Like, you've been working at this for, like, 15 years. It's not like you just work to make that one song and then just dip. Like, you, you want yeah. to make, like, a full body work you wanted to have like you wanted to put yourself out there you wanted to be personal with that kind of stuff because when it comes to any sort of art or entertainment or whatnot like it's a lot of people putting themselves out there putting their emotion out there and the fact that they're getting these opportunities to do so and they're only known for a college uh, you know a college drinking song more than anything else like i felt like it was more or less this is gonna sound weird but it felt like it was more of a disservice to you and what you've been working for more than anything else like you got some quality stuff that i sincerely wish people whether or not it's because of this interview or not, I sincerely hope they get the opportunity to listen to you and get to truly appreciate what you've been able to push out there. Yeah, I think my disappointment it comes from after I had introduced myself in a not so authentic way, more in an exaggerated version of myself, you know, um, that my support and profession, my professional support system fell away right. and necessarily weren't overly interested in helping me keep going in a more authentic manner and for whatever that may be. And I think that that's also a driving force for me, you know what I mean? Because everything we've done, really, truly, everything we've done since uh, I Love College has been independent. It just wasn't classified as independence. Like Paps and Jazz, we recorded Paps and Jazz in a broom closet in LA, just like basically oh, wow. just me and JP. And so like, it wasn't until after we put together that like fire, uh, uh, compilation that then Def Jam is like, oh, this is cool. Like, we'll help you shoot a video for common knowledge. But again, it was just helping us shoot that video and then completely disappear. And so, you know, there's the funny conversation with a lot of my friends when we just like reflect on stuff, not that we really often do, but like, do you remember when I was on Def Jam? Because that was like two weeks. And so, <laughs> but what, what that did do is bring Aristotle into my world and Aristotle uh, is a friend first and foremost and we met on the common knowledge video shoot but then we went on to do other things together he's shot you know um the final four tour uh when we, i don't even know if that still exists on youtube but like you know our our tour footage and then he shot rasputin which was a which was a knots a knots little uh, b-side that most people these are things that most people never see but for me it's just like in the spirit of collaborating and making stuff with your friends and it's always going to be that way it's just a matter of maybe if if when you keep shooting maybe one of those things breaks through to public consciousness but keep in mind you got to be careful what you wish for because right. like i love college changed my life to the point where i wasn't necessarily making my own decisions and i wasn't necessarily like in control of my own pace they're like People want 
to be famous or people want to be seen people want to uh, you know make a bunch of money but there's so much sacrifice that comes with that and so for me having some like say in my life having some room for spontaneity all of these things having privacy um you have to be okay with if you do break into the public consciousness and now you are a essentially a public servant in in a, in a lot of ways from an entertainment standpoint you have to understand what and and be okay with what comes with that um you know a lot of people are you know get sick from exhaustion and yeah. you you it's like all the way down the line from entertainment stuff when you start talking about the James Browns and the Elvis Presleys and like all of these people who were entertainers for the world Michael Jackson Prince a lot of these stories have really sad endings you know and so I'm just trying to keep a balance because I do really enjoy performing and I really do enjoy communicating and bringing people together and sharing ideas and rapping and like, you know, wordplay and all of those things. And so, of course, I want to be able to do that for a living, right? right. Of course, I want to be able to take care of myself and take care of others through this, uh, you know, art form, so to speak. But again, doing it for a living sometimes not always obviously there's new uh out uh outlets for us you know the patreons the little side hustles the sellings of this and that that you can do to help you make a living so to speak but there are sacrifices you have to make in order to do that so you know again my story is still just i feel like it's just getting started and oh, yeah. so this this first you know 15 years that you and i are reflecting on um there's a lot there that i learned from I mean, I can only imagine. I imagine that's why, you know, even whenever you were in that environment to where you could have just like, I'll just say when you could have basically sold out and you could have like gone with the box you were trying to be that they were trying to put you in with the whole entire I love college thing. Is that why you had to more or less get away from it and get back to Philly? Like just to have that control more than anything else, have be able to forge your own path? Yeah, it's just haunting. It doesn't really come naturally. So like these kind of songs are packaged and they're brought to you and say, hey, can you lay some verses over this? And it's like a really obvious record. You you know that it's probably going to be a, a hit for what it's worth, not even something that's lasting. It's just something that kind of does numbers. And so uh, it just doesn't feel right. And it just feels forced. It doesn't feel natural. And I think like, I'm not sure how other artists might um, respond to it, but I just can't imagine getting up and performing a record that doesn't mean anything to you. That isn't really even you at all. And you do that for the next X amount of years of your life. It just seems, it seems kind of like haunting in a way, like you just are stuck with that. And so I, I guess I was cognizant and conscious of that early on. And I was just like, this doesn't feel right. And like, for what it's worth, good or bad i'm a little stubborn in that way i'm the, i'm the baby boy of 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 three and so in my nature i would just like i only want to do what i want to do right um and so that was you know you know again don't get me wrong you you would love to make everything you do be a hit you know you would love to just be like this this full asher roth has 20 number ones you know what i mean <laughs> and just like you just you know and you're good but uh you just want to do it for like the right way you don't because right. i feel like so much of the music business and even the entertainment business and media business in general it's just like for the by the business for the business you see right. the grammy awards 
If the Grammys and some of these things, a lot of the time it just feels like they're giving out employee of the month rewards, you know, like they're, they're not even, they're not even rewarding or awarding, I guess, like the best album. They're, they're almost like awarding the most successful album of the people that work for them. And so, you know, I don't know. I'm conflicted about a lot of stuff. I clearly have my own experiences in the whole thing. So this isn't like, you know, this isn't gospel it's just this is how i feel about it uh and i i uh you know i continue to kind of conduct my lifestyle based off these early experiences i have and try to sacrifice and compromise where i see fit and i think some of the early compromises within character and within you know catalog uh were ones in my early upbringing that um i didn't see it, it being appropriate I mean, that's that's fair enough more than anything else. I did want to say that when it comes to the Grammy things or whatnot, I feel like that's just the mentality with every single award show more than anything else. I don't know if you uh, remember this, but uh, if you ever watch the show Adam Ruins Everything, he literally just has like a full on discussion about like award ceremonies, talking about how it's just mainly like, you know, people, you know, kissing up to whoever gives the awards or whatnot to give them the nomination, let alone like the award wins or something like that. And it's a common practice that even on the shows themselves, they joke about more than anything else. So I'm not surprised when it comes to that, you know, it's a strange thing that we do, you know, but again, like we all came up enchanted by that stuff. I think, you know, people do want to win uh, awards and be acknowledged for their work. And like, you want it to be real, you know? Um, it's the same thing with a record deal or like any of these things. You want this stuff to be, um, you know, real and you want it to be just. <laughs> and it's just like, there's not a lot of like, uh, uh, you know, authenticity and, and justice when it comes to making money. That's fair. That's fair. But I mean, it's not, if, it's any correlation i can definitely sense a lot especially with a lot of the stuff you pushed out in the past couple of years i can sense a lot of the real you more than anything else i know i briefly talked about it but flowers on the weekend that album as a whole i just love it from like start to finish and like the dichotomy that you bring upon that with like the seriousness of what we talked about with things change but also with like the fun stuff like way more fun with lil yachty like that's just a fun beat to just kick back and just relax to more than anything else for sure yeah. how, how important was it for you to have that to get that record produced to make that you know I'm not going to, like, how important was he? Because the fact that, you know, if I remember what you were saying correctly, this was more or less like you getting back to Philadelphia and working on your own stuff. How important was it for you to make that album? Enormous. Uh, just getting back home. I've always wanted to make a record in, in, you know, at home in Philly. And so I think what's tricky about the industry, it's kind of like a, there's kind of like a, a dependency or a codependency thing going on or like a power play, like you need us, you know? And what's always been interesting with my journey, I don't even know if people recognize this, but like I've never had big producers on my records at all. You know what I mean? Like we'll have appearances that popped up like Busta Rhymes and Carrie yeah. Hilson and stuff. And that's, that's kind of a product of the industry, the collaboration, uh, the, uh, the f- features for sure. But I mean like Oren, did a lot of us sleep in the bread out or in Yoel and he and I, you know, met just through music. You know, this is somebody who was just getting a start with me as well. Um, the blended babies and, and JP doing paps and jazz and, uh, you know, uh, Rob, um, doing, uh, and by the way, blended babies doing retro hash as well. And then mm-hmm. Rob doing flowers on the weekend. These aren't enormous producers. And so like, for me, 
it was always about like these are my own relationships and my own um resources to you know uh respect and cherish and and take care of and so you know the industry for what it's worth sometimes makes you feel like you need us you can't do this without us and i think like even getting back to philly working with rob uh who was just a friend just like most ridiculously talented homie um to be able to do that on our own you know what i mean not in a big studio just in rob's shed um not with like a budget at all like all of those things are very empowering uh and so not that i knew that going into that the the, the first you know uh inspiration was just like let's make a record at home with like the homies um that was the start but then to be able to just do it on your own for real now don't get me wrong it's hard it's challenging a lot of that stuff a lot of the uh, the flowers on the weekend stuff like it didn't really take off i mean playlisting standpoint you know people enjoyed flowers on the weekend we shot a couple videos but like you had to be following along or be interested in what I was doing to really catch wind of what was going on. Even way right. more fun with Yachty. I mean, Yachty's a international act and still that didn't like blow up. But even just the homies showed out like Ryan Maloney, who I've worked with on animation since Lark on my go-kart. Mm -hmm. He did the Tony Braxton animation. Uh, he did apples and bananas animation and he showed up for me and did an animation for way more fun, you know, doing the how to on TikTok and all of these things. And so like, he didn't charge me $75,000 for animation, which <laughs> animation really does cost so much money. They, they do so, cost like, a lot of money. I, I talked to a lot of animators on this podcast. They cost money. <laughs> it costs money. It costs a tremendous amount of time. And so, like, again, Flowers on the Weekend represents so much to me because it's just, like, it's my own my own community of people that I love and I cherish and I respect and stuff that you can do for the rest of your life. You're not – you didn't – call in any like favors or rely on somebody else to help you get that done. And I think that when you have a little bit of self-reliance in your life and you know that you have resources to do a really quality record, uh, big shout out to Ian who mastered that record. I mean, these are all homies. Ian lives in Morrisville. Like, you know what I mean? These are homies that are from my hometown. And so, uh, you know, in, in short, very, very important. Absolutely. I can only imagine that. The I do want to say, though, whenever you say you haven't really worked with any big producers, I got to kind of argue that because I would consider Travis Barker a fairly big producer when you work with him and that's Raw and Rother. <laughs> Absolutely. Which I also got to say, that EP, that one was just fun. I especially love the your stuff with Blow Your Mind. That song alone, just oh, yeah, like, yeah. goodness. Like, that, that just looked like fun. <laughs> yeah, and that's a, a great point. Knotts is, a, is an alien. Travis is an alien. These two are some of the hardest workers in the business. And, you know, to me, it's like, Knotts is underappreciated and in certain ways Travis is underappreciated and so like you know that's kind of my team right like we are we're kind of underdogs in a lot of the way in a lot of ways and so but we're gonna we're gonna keep going you know we're gonna keep playing good and I mean like I know you've certainly been keeping going more than anything else and especially you know getting back to Philly or whatnot getting back to your roots more than anything else I imagine now some involved you obviously getting back with that community that supported you in the first place or whatnot you know getting back there how important was it for you to really connect with your community now more than ever especially you know working on flowers in the weekend and really like get with them for collaboration opportunities yeah it's hard to know i mean like again when i left 
I was relatively young and I, I think almost in a way I was never able to really forge a, a hometown relationship. And there's a, there's a book out there for any, you know, people who are interested. It's like basically, I think it's called like you're fucked and it's like, welcome to the music industry. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. And, I didn't expect that title. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. Cause it's straightforward. Like, you know, this is, this business really sucks, you know? And so you have to do it for the right reasons. Otherwise you'll just be, you'll be bummed out. Um, but it talks about, you know, touring and it talks about regional touring and it talks about hyper-focused touring of like, you know, start in your hometown first and then, and then move out. Like, don't go do a show in North Carolina if you've got nothing going on in North Carolina. And so for me, I did have some relationships more so in Westchester, I think like just cause I was doing some shows around Westchester and like people knew me for, you know, rapping and all these things, but I don't know if I ever really cultivated a hometown audience. So coming back to Philly and coming back to Pennsylvania in general was was encouraging in a way because there were a lot of people who supported me and were cheering me on who I didn't even realize were cheering me on. The real community building for Philly for me was this project uh, Sunflower, which was uh, uh, Sunflower Philly became this outdoor space of where I, where I lived that really took off during the pandemic because, you know, as somebody who really believes in artist development and again that, that patience that we we're talking about with artist development as somebody who had experienced you can't come in unless you're with somebody more important situation or you know your the amount of revenue that you drive and stuff is kind of an indicator of where you're allowed to go i never wanted that to be all right oh we can't we can't perform there let's just make our own place to perform and so uh, through like a fortuitous, uh, through for, fortuitous events, meeting a gentleman who was doing development in Philadelphia and again, a, another happy accident of like a, of a uh, renovation process gone wrong, we were able to create this outdoor park that we, we developed a stage and we brought kind of uh, graffiti through and we like paint, would paint the walls and all these things. It's called, it's called Sunflower Philly and it's an outdoor uh, park where I was I was more interested in supporting other people in, in their creative pursuits, you know, and that could be an entrepreneurship as well, supporting small businesses, supporting local acts who, and maybe even some kids who had never even got a chance to perform before. It was like a place that you can come and make mistakes. And so that actually really helped me develop community because it wasn't about me. And I think like, again, you got to be very careful of building a, uh, you know, I don't want to say a brand or just a life that's so revolved around you. Uh, what's been really interesting for me and even saying yes to come and chat with you was supporting supporting other people in their art, artistic endeavors. I mean, like, that's really important to me. Um, and so, again, like, it's nice that you wanna, want me to hear uh, my story. And I'm glad that, you know, uh, I can share some of this stuff, but it's really about you and and your persistence and your following up and professionalism that deserves to be acknowledged and rewarded in where your interests and your crafts and your passions are, because I'm assuming that this, the postmodern art podcast is something that you do as a labor of love, you know what yeah. I mean? And that should be acknowledged and appreciated. And so same spirit spirit of sunflower is just like how can we support other people you know and there's not a tremendous amount of money in it at all if anything we break even each year uh none of us get paid uh volunteer effort for sure 
Uh, we'll see what it turns out to along, along the lines because the lot that we were able to like convert uh, convert into a uh, into an outdoor kind of dog park slash uh, performance space is now for sale. And you know, if any anybody knows anything about kind of developments in the cities, these these lots are going for millions of dollars because of the condos that are being built. It's really crazy, uh, specifically here in Philadelphia, and I imagine in a lot of cities as they get kind of redeveloped in a way. Mm-hmm. And so it's going it's going through its own transformation, and we'll see how that lends itself. But to your to your question and the conversation around community, very nice to come home. Surprise about how many people. Um, did support me because I, I, if I'm being honest, I was kind of beaten down a little bit because when you have the success, those early successes, and then you feel like you're putting out quality of work, nobody cares. You kind of, you kind of get down on yourself. And so coming home and seeing that so many people be like, yo, I heard Paps and Jazz, yo, I heard Retro Hash, like, yo, I, I love this, this, that, and the third. And so it, it kind of reinvigorated me in a way and has also given me, um, you know, the energy and the love to want to help other people as well while continuing my, my own pursuits. Well, there you go. I mean, it's a good mentality to have. I know that's something that I tried to pursue with this podcast, trying to help promote people, help encourage people more than anything else, because I mean, you can, you know, attest this as well, like seeing, you know, you kind of attest this with me, which I'm genuinely touched and surprised by those words, but like you see, you know, people putting in a lot of time and effort for, like you said, the labor of love that they do more than anything else. So any little way that you can to like really encourage that and really like uh, reinforce that more than anything else. Like it, it's incredible more than anything else to, to see that come to fruition, see people like truly get to grow more than anything else. And I know a big way that you've tried to encourage people and really allow artists to grow more than anything else is, you know, going back to not just your Philadelphia community, but to the internet community as well with, you know, your discord group and producing albums with that internet community, such as, uh, the greenhouse effect volume three. How did that project come to be? What made you realize that you wanted to create a project with your community like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, again, a lot of these uh, accomplishments, they almost, they almost be, are effortless, you know, and I, I think I, I think I say it for those that are in the discord, I drop a lot of like sketch verses in there, you know, um, and, you know, it's such a trial and error. It's a place for artist development. It's a place to put stuff out that doesn't necessarily need to be scrutinized by the whole world or be some grandiose presentation. Uh, the discord I think, you know, I think it's fair to say that when the pandemic of 2020 happened, I still wanted to create and I still wanted to collaborate. And I wanted that for other people as well to, to still have creative outlets. And, you know, just given what Greenhouse Effect, the series one meant to my audience, meant to me, and how things have changed where rhyming over industry beats, um, it's limiting now. Like before it was for for the internet, you're rhyming over beats that are familiar to others. And there's just like that mixtape culture, that drama canon, all of these are that even the stuff that I grew up on with DJ Who Kid and DJ Clue and all this stuff that I'm listening to. But as we got older and streaming got introduced to everything, uh, I thought that there was an opportunity to really take the Greenhouse Effect series into something that was more collaborative and, um, uh what's the word i'm looking for here it has like a uh uh it, it's like a it has like a uh a, a, not it's a it's not a thread i'm losing it has like a a concept sorry concept, it's like conceptual yeah yeah sorry it's conceptual and so like the greenhouse effect volume three 
and discord and the pandemic uh it was just kind of this nice perfect storm of like hey y'all i remember i mean what's the first there's a first tweet out there that I, that pretty much sums up my thought process of like uh, let's make a record together yeah uh and let's use greenhouse effect volume three or the greenhouse effect series as a place to do that and so we'll see if it continues on it was it was it was tricky but at the same time you know again i go back and i listen to that and my performances on that uh don't overwhelm me of like this is amazing because you know sometimes i'm recording to a click track and right. sending that acapella over to my discord to build around um and that stuff you know the performance isn't cohesive sometimes with the with the canvas that gets laid down but i think we did a really cool job and again the most important part of that is community development and like getting giving other people an opportunity to shine and i remember like introducing it and talking to it about sway and sway being like super impressed of the rappers that were on it <laughs> and you know these are kids that are so talented but because of the way the internet is and because of the way the, the music industry is might never get heard you know these are people who are have all the skills and power in the world uh, and abilities in the world and they have like 34 unique users or unique listeners on on spotify and it's like that doesn't that's why you know when you talk about followers and you talk about numbers and all that stuff you can't let that be an indicator of your value and right. your worth it's just it's just not it doesn't it's not an indicative of how valuable and how skilled some of these kids really are so i'm very happy again that i have the opportunity and the tools you know discord is relatively new um not, you know and even using it to be a, it's, it was typically for gamers and conversation and discussion and discord's been adapting with us even yep. here right now we're doing a podcast on discord but having that tool a new internet tool to collaborate digitally uh it was a, a lot of fun and and we're even working on a new record right now it's right. just a, a, we call these things the false like the semesters uh really leaned into kind of the college stuff the collegiate stuff as far as just thematically and yeah man we'll see there's some really cool recordings and again it's just a great space that to come in if you're an artist that just wants to get some yayas out and collaborate with other artists like it's a great place for it yeah i've been more or less lurking in the the server here and there whatnot seeing the the sessions go down or whatnot hearing some of the incredible beats that people are putting together more than anything else like the the people that are in that discord server if you're listening to this you guys are all talented no questions no hesitation no doubt more than anything else was was that discord how you got introduced to heather gray as well yeah yeah heather gray and that's another one i mean like that's what's been valuable for me it's like you know when the world slowed down a little bit um Heather Gray is a really ridiculously talented producer from um, uh, Salt Lake City, from Utah. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, dude, like, again, social media is this uh, specific, like, like the Twitters and the Instagrams of the world. It's just this extremely large scope. Um, being every, everyone, you don't even realize, and a lot of the people are missing your, missing your message, and also uh, you're missing theirs. And so Discord, when I sent out that initial invitation, it really limited and really, you know, um, got a, our audience down to a small group of manageable uh, people. And so Heather was one of those people that had actually, I, when I Googled uh, or searched in my uh, my work email, he had reached out to me in like 2016 or maybe oh, wow. 2018 to like collaborate and like it came up. 
but that stuff just gets missed, you know, because it's so it's so it, uh, it's so impersonal. You don't even you're not even realizing. So Discord and uh, UOC has allowed me to develop a little bit more of a personal one to one relationship with people. And so through the challenges that I was throwing out acapellas and having people uh, send back, um, you know, their rendition. Uh, Heather's just and Andrew, I call him, that's his real name. Andrew's just always stand out. Like, damn, this is so good. And so you know, just again, artist and music discovery, and just using, uh, s noticing how talented he was, and working with him on a one-on-one -on -one basis, we were able to put out. Why is it so gray out? Yeah. Uh, this this past year. Yep. There you go. <laughs> uh, and and EP shout out uh, to my girlfriend Megan. She actually did the cover art. That is a real oh. painting. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's yeah, fair. It's yeah, a very, yeah. it's very aesthetically pleasing more than anything else. <laughs> uh, and so all of those things, but yeah, Discord has been uh, a lot of fun for me, and just again, it's allowed me to work with a manageable uh, amount of people. You know, when you're trying, when when people are like, you know, I have 367 million followers. It's just like, what does that even mean? You know, yep. it's really nice to have a group of, I would say there's probably 900 people in our discord, you know, maybe getting up to a thousand people, but really it's about 50 people that we're working with and, and, and going back and forth with and really creating stuff with. And that's a manageable group of, uh, uh, artists to be working with. Yeah. I think once you get past that, once your community gets too big, it's like, what is, what, e what even is it anymore? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, hearing the the collaborative opportunities that you've both provided and are creating for others or whatnot, hearing the the, founda the the foundation of what could be some incredible music, not just for yourself, but for several people out there, and, you know, hearing you coming back or whatnot, you know, going back to your roots, truly becoming comfortable more than anything else, you know, asked you what your mind space was when you were last in Philly. So sitting here right now, you know, considering everything that's going on, how is your headspace at this point? Like, how are you feeling about like the, the stuff you're producing nowadays? I'm excited about it. I mean, again, like I like to challenge myself. I'm in a very like similar headspace to like foie gras, like uh seared foie gras with Clinton Cranberry, that reference, like I'm not, trying to make records right now like i'm just like rapping i'm journaling and and writing verses pretty much every day everything's very kind of like sketchy and weird and fun and and so that's where i'm at creatively i think that like you know it's like a new plateau so to speak and so from an independent standpoint i've learned so much from my independent journey so it's basically like you know my major label journey and then my independent journey and here we are now about two years into the discord and this digital collaboration and then also trying to elaborate on that and kind of i think my headspace right now is like what is next and even where i'm living specifically i've been in my building and with working in sunflower for x amount of years now it's almost like ready to move on to what's next and so i'm in an in-between phase right now i'm not sure specifically uh, there's nothing that I'm like, this is going to be the next project. I think obviously we're tinkering with the fall semester stuff, mm -hmm. helping other people get their yayas out. Um, and then I, you know, I, I will probably release like, just like a little sketch, uh, sketchbook, so to speak of just like some of these raps that are just streams of consciousness, nothing, nothing very concrete, uh, just fun, a lot of wordplay that'll, that'll probably find its way out in the near future. But then after that, yeah, I think my headspace right now is like, hmm, you know, hmm, yeah. uh, what's what's next? What's it going to be? I think, you know, my life is changing in general. So um, there's always new challenges to be had. But, yeah, I would say my headspace right now is, hmm. 
I mean, that that's good to hear that at least you're more or less optimistic about the future, you know, seeing what, what it can bring more than anything else. Um, I didn't I, say I was optimistic about you, the future, Nathan. You know what? <laughs> Valid. It's one of those you're at least interested to see where it'll take you. I should probably yeah, be. yeah, for <laughs> my, sure. My, my a, bad for a, assuming. All good. <laughs> all good. No, I, I, I'm, uh, you know, Asher, the name itself means happy. I would okay. like to think that in my nature, I'm optimistic. And so I do, you know, I, I try to stay on that on that uh on that plane so to speak it's fair enough fair enough well thinking back on the 15 years that you've been able to work or remember anything else like the the stuff you've been able to push out and the experience and whatnot do you have like a personal favorite like album or song or even just a personal favorite moment on this journey so far that you can think of of all your everything that you've been through do you have a personal favorite that you cherish yeah, I mean, I like Seared Foie Gras with Quentin Cranberry just because those who heard it are real ones for sure. I mean, because it comes right after Asleep in the Bread House, so I know you, like, didn't fall off. And so if, if you heard this, uh, Seared Foie Gras, it's also rather elusive. It's not something that's on streaming platforms and stuff. Yeah. It's just, like, it's, like, caught in this black hole before streaming because, you know, Spotify wasn't a thing for, for us. Asleep uh, in the Bread House, uh, Seared Foie Gras, even Paps and Jazz. I don't think, I'm not sure when Spotify really took off in the United States, but... Uh, you know, I was very cognizant of like streaming becoming a thing and hesitant in a way. Um, so I would say Seared Foie Gras and it's also just like my first stake in the ground. If you listen to those lyrics, it's me being like, yo, like, fuck this shit. Like, fuck the money's on there. Um, you know, fuck your ringtone. Uh, <laughs> like uh, a lot of stuff, trash minutes. There's just so many joints on there that are me being like, this is a strange game. Uh, confidence is a huge like mantra for me. There's just um, the the I'm Eddie, which is a big shout out to uh, one Christian McCaffrey, who is now a 49er for my beloved 49ers. I can't believe <laughs> we we manifested that. Uh, but you know, it was a shout out to his father Ed McCaffrey, who when I was watching him play when I was younger, you know, again, granted, but it was just he was just dope. And then you know, now Christian is. Uh, just as dope, if not doper. Uh, and so, you know, uh, all that stuff, there's so many things that I'm picking up on. And there, that was like really my first stake in independence. And I know a lot of people will be like, oh, well, you know, Retro Hash is probably my first independent record. It's just not true. I mean, Seared Foie Gras with Quinston Cranberry was me being like, all my support has left. I'm living in New York. Uh, and there's really like no North Star I'm I'm fresh off of my touring with a sleep uh, with a Blink-182 reunion tour and there's really no laid out plan. Everybody that I was working with is kind of moving on to a different stuff and so I just get back to the basics and I think I you know I say it it's like back to the basics, white t-shirt and some motherfucking Asics and it's just like um so that to me is like all right, I'm getting in the driver's seat, you know, and let's let's see. I don't know where this this is going but I'm going to drive this car. And so I would say Seared Fall Gras with Quinston Cranberry is my favorite project to date just because it's still carefree. It's getting back to just what I love to do of just like not thinking too much about it, let it happen. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it means the world to me. And it's still kind of an elusive project. So the people who say, hey, man, I really love Seared, I'm like, you're a real one. <laughs> I just got to say, you got to send it to me because I saw it in passing in mentions or whatnot, but I couldn't find it. So I need to find it somehow and give it a listen. Well, it's so. on SoundCloud, you know, okay. it's on SoundCloud. Okay. You can give it a listen on SoundCloud, but you know, uh, I got a couple CDs, I think that are old pressings, but yeah, man, it's, a, it's still a CD. That's just yep. put it, put it, <laughs> put it to that point. It's still a CD. 
Hey, don't act like I don't have CDs. I have a couple, although I just got a new well, car yeah. that doesn't have a CD player. So <laughs> I just mean, I just mean in like the evolution of 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 music, right? Yeah, like right. CDs are are um, modern art, and yeah. we're doing postmodern art. Right? Yes, yes we, yes we are. I love that name drop right there. <laughs> um, I I'm also like curious because I imagine like you know with the years you have worked in the business and seeing the people that you have been able to work with such as you know CeeLo Green, Busta Rhymes, Travis Barker, all these people like that. Was there ever a project that more or less like or a, a collaboration with you that more or less got away like one that you were like so close to having or like wanted so badly to happen, like because of your connections and whatnot, but just never came to fruition. I mean, say what you will with him right now. It is what it is, you know, but in his heyday, it was excellent. Uh, you know, Kanye was supposed to be on the I Love College remix, and it ended up on the Poker Face remix, but, you know, mm. his, and I mentioned this on It's The Real a while ago, but uh, that verse where he's like, that's the reason that I love college, like, that was supposed to be on the I Love College uh, okay. remix, and that ended up not coming to fruition. That's fine with me, you know, yeah. at the end of the day. But that would have been pretty interesting how the I Love College remix with Kanye West would have been uh, would have been pretty next level. Yeah, because that was that. What was that? That was, you know, obviously with I Love College being in 2009, 2010 or whatnot. That had been around the time, like right before, you know, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy came out. So that was like, you know, right before it really blew up. That would have been it would have been interesting to hear. Well, I mean, you can still hear it, obviously, with the poker face. one, But still, you know, I think it was it was interesting more than anything else. But. You know, sure. I, I, wow! I don't know why my brain just like short circuited right there. <laughs> hey, again, take your time. You yeah, know? no, I'm good. I'm I'm taking my time, and you know, <laughs> I imagine that's probably advice you probably want to give for people. You know, especially whenever they really want to get into hopefully you know to the point to where you're at right now, just making com- music comfortably more than anything else. So I have to ask for the people that do want to be producing music, or at least that do want to be producing some sort of entertainment more than anything else. What is the best advice you can give them? It's just don't stop. You know, you, it's that's really what it comes down to. If you're doing it for the right reasons, you're just gonna do it. And I, you know, there's. Uh, I remember when I was writing my like piece out from uh, that had just reached a point with the re- record label stuff that I I felt like my side of the story wasn't getting heard at all, and so I wrote like a uh, a letter that I think got picked up by XXL. But it was just about doing your thing. And, the, you know, some athletes and sometimes they'll quote it uh, in, in Instagram and in Instagram. And it's kind of similar to like grind uh, towards the end of grind, that little monologue. But it was just about like, you know, have fun um, and don't ever stop doing your thing. It's just like take take these uh, take those chances and, and do stuff, because when you fuck up or when you fail or if something weird happens, you learn so much from that, you know, even just the feeling of embarrassment or even just like that type of stuff is really a, a game changer as far as like building confidence, because I know comedians go through it all the time. It's like if you go out and you tell jokes and you bomb. That's the worst that's going to happen, you yeah, know, and true. so like uh, that's what I think is so valuable. And so my my advice to anybody is just just do it. You know what I mean? Don't, don't think about it. Don't think about what could go wrong. Don't think about what could go right. You know, kind of go about it with these, this zero expectations and just do what it is that you do, um, and have fun with it. And so like, I think if you go that route, I always joke about like, you know, I remember initially 
And I was like, no, there's no way I'm going to be rapping at, like, 35 years old. This is me at, like, 21. <laughs> like, if I'm rapping at 35, like, I fucked up. And, like, you know, I'm past that. You know, So, you know, it just goes to show, like, you just don't know. But now I'm like, I want to be, like, 67 making some of the coolest stuff I've ever made, you know? Hell yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I would say. It's just, just, there ain't nothing to it but to do it. It's just really, really the truth. Amen to that. Amen to that. Do you ever think just, like, how weird or how surreal just this entire journey has been to you or how often do you think just how weird and surreal your entire just music and art journey how how surreal has it been for you to go along this it's not that's what i mean it feels oh. like this is, this is all feels this is what it is you know okay um i think maybe early on but even still it's just like this is fun you know what i mean <laughs> and so like even when you're around when you look behind the wizard of oz you know curtain and you start to meet some of these famous people and stuff, you yeah. just kind of like, mm, these are just people, you know? And so the allure kind of wears off. And so I would say it's, it. I, I don't think it's surreal. I think it's very much like, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. Um, there are some, you know, goals and things that I, that I have set for myself that I would like to achieve um, just in regards to, you know, continuing the journey. But, uh, yeah, as far as the, you know, the un, I'm just, I'm just like happy that I can do art and for what it's worth, I can do, you know, music and create things and, uh, you know, be a dweeb for a living, you know? And so that's a, a blessing that, uh, uh, you know, not many people are able to do. And so I think that's the most surreal uh, is just like, I haven't had a job, like a real job since I was like, 19 years old and yeah. so that to me is just like when i get around people specifically in philadelphia which is a working city yeah I, I realize how lucky i am you know absolutely absolutely well maybe i can bring your luck a little luckier with this next question if i may if i can give you more or less the dream scenario let's mm -hmm. say i am big shot mr Moneybags. i come up to you like look asher it's not that we don't know you could do some incredible stuff we've seen what you've been able to do and we think you, know, you could do more with just a little extra push if possible. We have connections to anyone and everyone in whatever industry possible and more money than there should be possible. We could probably be funding so many more like Sunflower Clubs stuff like that. We'll probably do that in a little bit. But right now we're focusing on you and you alone. If given this opportunity, what would be the dream Asher Roth project? I would personally start with just getting that lot next door. I would <laughs> purchasing that lot next door and like solidifying sunflower as a music venue and performance space in philadelphia just because it's such a valuable resource for the community not just myself like if i wanted to go outside and dj records and like play stuff now obviously neighbors might foo-foo or poo-poo about that but like uh at the end of the day it's like such a valuable resource for everybody involved so that would probably be the first thing i'd be like yo let's like finish this sunflower project as far as me, I mean, like, again, you know, music, um, you know, working with people who are doing like, you know, I would say, I guess it's classified as alternative, but there's just like a lot of dudes and, 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 and gals out there that are doing some really cool shit. Um, I don't know if I have like that, again, my headspace right now is so like, hmm. Mm -hmm. I just, I think if you were Mr. Moneybags, I would just ask for your support. You know how like yeah. Leonardo da Vinci, um, you know, Michelangelo's of the world, they're supported by like, you know, they were able to do what they were able to do because they had people that supported them financially, you know, and just said, yo, just 
paint and make stuff and you know we'll pick up the bill uh the medici family and stuff yeah. like that so if i had a medici family that i don't know what that entails historically maybe that's like a really bad uh ask because then you might be owned in a certain way <laughs> certain ways shape or form. for me yeah i just think like it's so important to keep a little bit of your independence but for the sake of the game i would just you know ask for you to trust in, in you know my visions and stuff so i think first and foremost would be uh finishing the sunflower philly project and secondly i think would be supporting up uh, providing tour support for going over to europe and playing europe with my band because i haven't been able to to go to europe yet uh with like the gang um uh, of the recent projects and so that because that's really expensive you know i mean to, yeah. to take the whole gang to europe uh and i, I really want to get to japan as well um and so i would i would just probably ask for your support to con to get the the tour stuff going because uh it's a really valuable uh experience to to physically see people uh one-on-one -on -one. absolutely i mean hey as as mr moneybags i think that support would be worth every single penny if i could say so myself sure. but sadly we gotta get down from the dream scenario we gotta get back to reality and i'll ask the ever so generic question where do you hope to see yourself say five to ten years from now Oh man, you know, I, I, I would love to, um, have a home, not necessarily, I'm not, a, I am not a believer in home ownership, to be honest with you for what it's worth. Now I have a, a partner in life who is very much about it. Um, you know, I live in a warehouse. It's very, we all we're work. It's like almost a co-op in a way. And which is, has led to Sunflower Philly. We all kind of like work on certain things. It allows me to make music here, but I think as I'm getting older, I think it does make sense. A lot of my, uh, you know, introspection and reflection has been around where do I want to live mm -hmm. uh, and where do I want to be? And, you know, as somebody who has been moving basically every two to four years, Philadelphia is actually the longest I've been in one place in one time ever in my okay. life outside of just growing up in, in Morrisville. So I've been here now for six years full. This is on my seventh year. Um, two of those years, obviously pandemic. So that changed the pacing a little bit. But I think in the next five years, I want to be settled in a little bit as far as just the, my life has always been rather whimsical. Um, you know, really undefined lines that allow me to like pop in and out of scenarios. I really love spontaneity. I love not having hard defined lines in your life that might actually limit you from being able to do things. But as you grow older, I think having that structure and stability is, is a nice thing. So, you know, a, a family with a, with a home that we really that has natural light and big windows and a place where we can kind of create and a nice kitchen with gas, um, a, a gas oven, uh, or a gas stove rather, sorry. Um, high ceilings, you know, maybe a fireplace would be really nice. There you go. Um, uh, a little, not a huge backyard. I think, you know, people need to be careful to just understand that when you get property, you know, I mean, you got to take care of that yard or if you're paid enough, then you then you have other people take care of that yard for you. But then you don't really have a connection with your yard. You know what yeah. I mean? But um, I, I don't know how much leaf raking I want to do. But, you know, those are little <laughs> things, man. You know, those are little things I think I really appreciate of just having a space that feels like your own space and um, a family that is there to welcome you home when you get off tour. You know, right. Right. I mean, that's that's a good, cozy, comfortable gold i think anyone should hopefully aspire for at some point like you know just having that like 
more or less comfort space more than anything else at the end. Yeah, of the yeah. Day. I mean, that's that's the I'd love to see for you, you know, five, ten years from now, if not, you know, sooner. Um, as we start to wind down the interview, Asher, I just have one last question I want to ask you. Obviously, you've been deeply entrenched in art and music for ages. Like it's been a part of your life in one way or another. How important is art, not just for you, but for the world as a whole? It's all we got. You know, you know, there's a, I mean, it's, it's a dorky movie, but have you ever seen the movie Empire Records? I, yeah, I have, I have. So I forget it's Lucas or one of the, I forget the friend, um, that comes and they're eating, you know, pop brownies or whatever it may be, or they, <laughs> they make mix CDs and he's like, he passes them the, the tape and he's like, music, here it is. This is the, this is the glue that holds the world together. Like the fabric right, that holds the right. world together. And, uh, it's just so true. That's it. This is all we got, you know? And so that's why I get really like, mm, I guess the word would be frustra frustrated, a little disappointed in how much media, multimedia is uh, manipulated in a way because, you know, humans have a tendency to like want to look at the car crash, right? And so like everything that's like on, on mass media is kind of like shock jockey now, specifically now. And you see it with like, uh, the pressure for over-sexualized of women, you know, even over-sexualization of, like, men as well, just, like, yeah. these little kind of lowest common denominator, denominators, uh, primal things to get people's attention, right? Because we're like, titties, yeah, like, you know what I mean? And, like, you know, uh, arguments and, like, fighting, like, yeah. And so I get a little frustrated about that because art and music and ideas and concepts and conversation and collaboration are are all we have, you know? And so to see them kind of be pushed more into the side of used uh, for a control mechanism or, uh, you know, you know, uh, just mass consumption and, you know, uh, mindlessness and, and not, not for critical thought. It's just, you know, what a drag, right? But it, that's not everywhere and it's not the truth. There's still very much an audience that's down to like, um, think and they're, they're still down to like uh you know challenge themselves as listeners and observers and there's still people that go to museums and there's still people that say i don't like this because you know what i mean they don't just say i don't like this and their because isn't because my friend doesn't like it it's like they they're genuinely like i'm not really into matisse because you know matisse was just he just drawing naked naked girls you know what i mean or whatever it may be so for what it's worth, I did go see Matisse, uh, the exhibit in Philadelphia Art Museum, and I did actually, I was surprised. I actually like Matisse more than I thought I did. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's all. I just, it's the it's the glue that holds the world together, and it's, it's really something that we should care about, and it's really something that Mr. Moneybags should support and get out of the way. Um, that's what I really like about the 49ers is that, like, <laughs> Jed York, the owner of that team, mm -hmm. just got people like John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. Like we were, we were in trouble for a while because it was almost felt like micromanaging, you know. Right. And you right. see it with a lot of like failed sports franchises of like that owner just like can't get out of the way and just let people do what they do, um, you know. And so I really appreciate Jed and his growth in regards to you know not over micromanaging that franchise and now you've seen like there were perpetual granted health the 49ers are perpetual uh stalwart in like competitiveness you know and so that's kind of how similarly like i hope for in regards to art and music is just more people 
you know get get if you got the money and stuff like just get out of the way and not not try to dictate the experience like i know frank zappa I'll, i'll continue on just a little bit about this point is that like frank zappa was talking about the music industry about how he how much he loved uh when just the fat cat with the cigar was calling the shots because they didn't know what they're talking about they're just like whatever man like let's see what works you know and there was so much cool shit came out of that in the 70s but now we have like these young kids who you know might be maybe a little bit more data driven or whatever it may be and they're like they have this like this is what we're gonna do and there's just less risk taking there's less like interesting stuff happening and because everything's so like dialed in uh to consuming habits and stuff and it's just kind of sucks the fun out of things but i get it you know i I see it i understand efficiency and productivity and all those things but when it comes to art i I really appreciate people like doing what (laughs) it is that they do uh in their own way and not trying to conform uh to meet uh specific habits and consume consumption habits i had a thought the other day that i thought it was really a shame that people and artists value might be you know conducive to just the frequency in which they post on social media right like not being able to be supported or not being of value or of worth to companies because you don't post enough not because your art isn't good, but just because you're not out here promoting yourself or promoting something or like just doing it all the time. Um, and that's a shame because I also think that people are reflecting, like they're looking at that reflection of their numbers and their views and all of these things. And, and they are using that as justification or an indication of their worth and their value. And I think that is sad because um, we're, we are in a system right now that is rewarding just volume you know yeah. and and quantity over quality exactly and so you know i i just i think art and music and entertainment is is important because it is the glue and i just would love to see a refocusing on quality stuff and not you know you hear the whole conversation around like marvel movies you know yep yep <laughs> similar thing so that's that's my little diatribe on that I mean, that's, that's fair enough. And every single word of that, I think is wonderfully worded. If I do say so myself, I love going back to the sports reference. Cause you were talking about obviously 49ers or whatnot, you know, Jed York getting the right people and just letting them do their thing and not, you know, owner stepping in and, you know, just, you know, thinking that they know best, you know, Jerry Jones or Jim Mercy, not throwing any names out there, you know, <laughs> For sure. but you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you know, that was wonderfully worded. If I do say so myself. Um, Asher, that's all the questions I have for you. Um, I've already showered you with a whole bunch of praise, but I want to shower you with a little bit more because it's my podcast. I do what the fuck I want. Um, <laughs> look, like I said, you know, getting the chance to first hear you and get introduced to you with I Love College, like it was a fun song and I was glad that I got introduced to it because obviously like it, that song somehow like still left like a good mental imprint on me so that years later when I rediscovered you and got the chance to truly listen to your back catalog, what you've been able to produce, what you've been doing for yourself for years. It's, it's wonderful. It's encouraging more than anything else to, to see that. Like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, like you're forging your own path, you're going to the beat of your own drum and you're just having a good time doing it one way or another, whether it be just, you know, having songs about just having fun or, you know, being serious about, you know, the industry or like your own mental health or whatnot with every single record that you're producing with every single song that you're producing these days i'm definitely going to be listening with intent ears because i cannot get enough of what you do i 
I appreciate the fact that you're doing what you can for you. I appreciate that you're going out there and not only just for yourself, but encouraging other people to really go out there and, you know, perfect their craft, really go for that dream that they want to go for and really encouraging people to, to grow more than anything else. It's, it's wonderful and encouraging to see how involved you are these days. And with every single thing that you do from here on out, I'm, I know I'm just going to love, I'm going to be loving and supporting every opportunity that I get. And even just having you on this podcast, like you don't know how excited and nervous I was just to be able to talk to you, man. Like this, this is a surreal moment for me. And it really means a lot that you take the time to be here and talk. Hearing your story gives you a whole nother level of appreciation that I didn't think I'd have before. I mean, honestly, just hearing your story, I could listen to like a 20 part, you know, audio podcast documentary on just your life. I'd be down for that a million times over. The, the long and the short of it is Asher, thank you for what you do. Thank you for putting yourself out there and thank you for pushing forward and, and doing your own thing because I cannot tell you how much I love and appreciate what you do. So thank you. Nathan, thank you, man. It's, uh, again, it's a symbiotic relationship of people helping us tell our stories, you know, again, not that big in a self promotion, but it's, uh, it's, it's always nice when someone picks up on what you're doing and, and wants to help share that story. So keep doing what you're doing. Um, and you know, big shout out to postmodern art podcast, man. <laughs> Well, I appreciate the shout out, but I do all the plugs at the beginning. So I got myself covered, (laughs) but for you, if people want an opportunity to, to know what exactly I'm talking about, get to listen to the incredible songs I keep just gushing about, go ahead and plug yourself for the people at home. Yeah. Yeah. I think that probably again, all of the sleeper stuff that we were talking about that might not be on Spotify or all those things. Uh, SoundCloud is probably the best. That's Asher Paul Roth, P A U L, Mm -hmm. uh, Asher Paul Roth. Uh, the Discord's a great place to see what's going on in the day-to-day. A yes. lot of that stuff, again, like, uh, people don't, you know, we use a- athletics a lot. Like, people don't see the hard work that goes in these things day by day. Just a hit pops up and they go, oh, you know, that's cool. But there's so much little things, even the back and forth. So I would say join the Discord at UOC. A lot of that stuff's on my Twitter. The invitations are on my Twitter, at uh, Asher Roth, A-S-H-E-R-R-O-T-H. Uh, that stuff's the Discord and the Twitter is where I kind of get I can go back and forth or I'll interact a little bit more. Instagram, you know, is at Asheroth as well. That's more just like the like I'll use the stories and you can just see like when I'm doing a puzzle or some of my favorite ornaments on the Christmas tree. There you go. But uh, for the most part, jump into the Discord, see what's going on, hop on SoundCloud, listen to Seared Foie Gras with Quinson Cranberry. And, you know, again, I just think this story is just getting started, too. So, you know, I think we got another another 15 years to go. So um, now's not a bad time to, to come check out what's going on. Absolutely. I mean, I'm certainly excited for every single day that, you know, it's going to be for whatever 15, 20, 30 years, however long, you know, you got for this. Um, I do want to say real quickly, the Discord server, my personal favorite channel in there, it's got to be the Cloud Appreciation. Just, just seeing oh, the yeah. gorgeous settings or whatnot, like, oh, I love it so much. Um, you know the deal, man. Exactly. Do you have any final words before we sign off? I don't. I, I think, like, you know, I think you just nailed it. Appreciating the clouds, you know. These yeah. are things that, like, we're trying to get back to. Um, you know, we have a lot of uh, influences in our life that are speeding things up. And so, you know, take the time. You know, take take your time um, and do it, on, do it on, on your time. And I know that sound, might sound selfish and things like that, but... You know, I don't know if you have any regrets, you know, or if anything that you are, you know, disappointed in how it played out or whatever it may be. But, you know, what we're trying to do is limit those. And you can limit those by saying, I did, maybe it didn't turn out what, how I thought it was going to turn out, but I, I, I made that decision. It wasn't somebody else who made that decision. And so, um, 
you know, that's what I would say is just like, you know, try your best to do the things that you want to be doing, you know? And so that takes some sacrifice and say it takes a little minds, but this world is, is super fleeting. I mean, we have people and close friends that are getting diagnosed with breast cancer and all of these things. I'm, I'm sure we've all been, you know, uh, privy to having somebody who just like gets sick out of nowhere. Obviously uh, yeah. COVID uh, just took a lot of, so just enjoy those clouds and, and enjoy those closest to you and try not to get too carried away with your own ambitions. Uh, and your own um, your own life, because I think what you'll find is the shared experiences, the ones that you when you're part of a group or communities or friendship, or even if it's just one on one, when you're sharing these things, they become extremely valuable. And so, you know, try to put yourself in those positions. Um, it's uh, it's it's very rewarding. But again, Nathan, thank you for taking the initiative and like reaching out on multiple occasions. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, we had a little bit of back and forth. This is kind of a conversation that started months ago, maybe even a year ago at this point. And so I think it started back in like April, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like one of those things that like you have to acknowledge, you know, acknowledge and and recognize. How did I make this this happen? Something that I was nervous about. Something that brought me happiness today. Like you put in the work. You took the initiative. You you took a step forward, and that's something that you can pass along as well. If someone's like, "Dang, that's cool that you were able to tap chat with Asher," like, how did that come in about? And you're just like, "Yo, I, I just did it. You know, I just went. I went for it." Literally, like when people, you know, I tell tell people about the podcast, and you know, some people don't recognize some of the people I bring on or when I was like, "Well, how'd you get such and such? How'd you get this person? How'd you get that person?" When I'm like, "I'll tell you what I did. Very easy. I asked." <laughs> that's all that's all i did <laughs> it's like you take that initiative you just ask in the first place or you just take the initiative in the first place you'll be amazed what you'll be able to do so exactly so keep asking man and appreciate the clouds nathan i appreciate you man take uh, care of yourself you you as well ashton for all and yeah with that all i have left to say is for people at home hasta luego amigos Thank you so much for sticking around to the end. If this is your first time listening, I sincerely do appreciate you sticking up to this point. Um, I know I kind of said this in the intro, and I probably said this a couple times about the podcast itself, but guys, this was an episode that I was ecstatic to get going out there. And I, I, I'm glad I even got the opportunity in the first place. Um, you know, thinking back to my history with just the original song, I Love College, and how much it was to me growing up listen to my dad or whatnot like it was it was always fun and the fact that i got the opportunity to talk to the guy that created it i i guys i'm not joking you could probably go back to the episode if you're watching the video version you can see where like i'm shaking for this opportunity uh, asher if you're, if you're listening up to this point um thank you once again for even the opportunity to talk to you in the first place the the conversation we had was all i could ever hope for and then some it was incredible your insight was what i was craving 
the vibe you just brought more than anything else. That's, that's the kind of conversation that I want. And, you know, especially with, you know, Asher, like obviously everyone knows him for the song. I love college, but like, seriously, like this is the kind of conversation I always wanted to have with someone that has always been known for like one thing or known for one song. But like, as you can tell from our conversation, as you can tell from the records that we had mentioned, the songs that we had mentioned, there is more to them than just that one song. You know, if there's one thing I've learned when it comes to artists and musicians, musicians, <laughs> there's one thing I've learned from them is that it's not always just simple, dry cut, make the song get out. They put everything they can into it you know listening to other artists that i absolutely love and adore like um tyler the creator uh little sims bickle left at london you know hearing artists like that and hearing how much they put into their art every single time they push out something or whatnot is something i always love and appreciate and you know with some artists they get the opportunity to to tell multiple aspects of that stories and people get to gravitate to that and cling on to it for some people they just get the one song and that's it and that's a disservice to that artist in my opinion um which is why you know if you haven't taken the opportunity to to listen to asher stuff i highly recommend you you go through you listen you listen to the fun songs they has that's a good vibe and a good time at the end of the day you listen to the sentimental songs that mean a lot you listen to the the songs with a message that's trying to push out something because Asher puts in the time and work Asher Asher does what he loves at the end of the day at, at least in my eyes he, he puts himself out there and he's having a good time with it, whether it be his own personal stuff or something's working with other people. Like, and I can tell that with every single project that he does. And that's, that's why I love and admire about the guy. Um, and I sincerely hope that once again, if you guys haven't taken the opportunity, like, like soak in his stuff. Like it's, it's, it's a great listen at the end of the day. That's all I'm trying to get at. And, for every, every other artist out there, whether it be music or not, the stuff that he said throughout the podcast, especially the stuff about, you know, looking for help and, you know, community and all that stuff like that, take that stuff to heart more than anything. Like, you know, for him, like, uh, he's gone through this kind of stuff. He, he's gotten to the highest of highs and he's gotten to the point to where, like, it, it doesn't matter, like, what the algorithm and what the business aspects wants of it. I, I'm grateful that he was willing to give that advice, and I sure hope you guys take it to heart if you can and build up yourselves, promote yourselves, get yourself out there, really do what you love at the end of the day. Because if you do that, people are going to cling on, people are going to love it, and they're going to be right there celebrating with you at the end of the day. So fuck it, do something crazy. Have a little fun. 